1: with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the active cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo active cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. What is going on, everybody? John middle Cop, Three and Out Podcast. That's me, that's the show. Back again after a little uh, Thursday Night Football, a little AFC South. Texans get a big win. 20-17 over the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, I'm going to dive into that game here in a second. I'm going to touch on the L.A. stadium situation. I read this great article by Seth Wickersham. It was on ESPN. Uh, just on the on the Rams and the Chargers stadium situation. Just what a debacle. What a legitimate debacle. Dive into the Packers, the 49ers, and the Cowboys. Uh, the, the, those three teams... Have huge opportunities for themselves this Sunday. Uh, can't wait. I mean, those the two games are going to be enormous rated games. Packers forty nine ers Sunday Night Football, and then the afternoon game of the day we have Cowboys at the Patriots. Sign me up for those two games. Can't wait. And then Sunday's games, like we do every Friday, go go over every single game. Spend a couple minutes on each game. There's some there's some terrible games this weekend, but there are also some good ones. Uh, that lead us into the afternoon then obviously the sunday night game and then like always at John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle slide up into those DMs uh same as my Twitter handle my DMs are open on in Instagram answer your questions here on the show and how we interact. You know it's like our version of, of callers here on the podcast. We do we do Instagram DMs. So the DMs are wide open. I'll answer them at the end of the show. Start with the game tonight. The great part about divisional matchups is you play twice a year and I think your your personalities as a team really show. And as a football team, you know, you take on the personality as your head coach of the of the of the guys that build your team and you really start to get a feel for it. And listen, I make fun of the AFC South a lot. I will not dispute there's a lot of talent in the division. Even the worst team right now is the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're loaded with talent. They had to play the majority of the season with their sixth round quarterback, who Gardner Minshew, I think, is gonna be a good player. But they're, they're good, you know. They are a feisty last place team. Obviously, the Titans are 5-5, five and five, and then these two teams. My big takeaway tonight was, I get the Texans won the game, and Deshaun Watson made just some incredible deep throws. Will Fuller runs like 4-1. He's hauling ass. Uh, made some just awesome catches down the sideline. I actually came away not really loving them. My big takeaway is, how is this team going to win a playoff game? Bill O'Brien put himself in a position where he had too much power. They had no balance in the organization. He made the trade for Laramie Tunzel, which I, I understand in the short term you had to make because you had to keep Deshaun Watson upright. When I watch the team, I go, they got like three or four good players. Especially with JJ Watt. How are they gonna how are they gonna do this? They play the Patriots next week, which is surely gonna be an L. You watch the Colts that don't have the high end talent. They don't Jacoby Brissett's not Deshaun Watson. You know, T. Y. Hilton is not DeAndre Hopkins. They would die to have Will Fuller over there. And yet that team is just tougher, more physical. I mean, T.Y. had some devastating drops tonight. But I just watched the Texans. I go, God, they are a flawed team. Now, I've always defended Bill O'Brien this way. Everyone acts like he's the village idiot. Because he did get too much power. And he's done some weird things since he's basically become the GM. But every single year, his team's going to win 10 or 11 games. Now, they're probably going to get bounced in the first or second round. They're not going to make a long run. But he's not that bad of a coach. Twitter makes it sound like he's terrible. He's not. He's got some flaws, and this team that he's built, I, I don't quite understand it because they are—they're just dependent on huge plays by wide receivers. If they don't hit those, they just can't win. They have no chance. Their defense is just kind of meh. I mean, Jonathan Josephs, Jonathan, jo- when I was in Philadelphia, and we signed Namdi Asomugha. The number two corner, I guess there were two top corners, Champ Bailey and Namdi, And then third corner was Jonathan Joseph. He was a free agent. That meant his rookie contract was just up. Ten years later, he's still playing, 35 years old, starting for the Texans. I I just watch the Texans. I go, what is Bill O'Brien's identity? I get he's a tough guy, an offensive guy. But as a coach, an assistant coach that told me earlier this season, when they were getting ready to play the Texans, He's like, to be honest with you, I don't really know what what their offense is. It's like, I'm watching them. I don't really either. They just kind of go deep and they throw it to Hopkins. There's not really a rhyme or reason with anything they do. It kind of feels like they keep their fingers crossed and go, Deshaun, Dabo once called you Michael Jordan. Please bail us out because we, we, I'm not really quite sure what we're doing. And he'll make some extraordinary passes. He throws a beautiful deep ball, and when he's on, he can kill you. And they blew the coverage tonight to Hopkins, which, listen, I, I, I don't know how you could ever let number 10 get open and then 10 smoke the guy later in the game. I mean, DeAndre's a special player. So they have an elite player. They have a couple elite players. And then they just have a bunch of guys. I mean, Laramie Tunzel's good, but he's banged up right now. And then I go watch the Colts and I go, they have a legitimate identity. They have a really physical offensive line. They kind of have a plug-and-play offensive system now that they can use any running back and they're going to rush the ball. I mean, T.Y. had devastating drops tonight. I mean, Jacoby's hitting guys in the hands. I know his stats don't look good. I thought Jacoby played pretty well for the most part. Now, again, he's going to leave some to to be desired. He's not Deshaun Watson. He's not Patrick Mahomes. That's not who he is. But if his team, like, their weapons right now, if T.Y. is just going to be a guy, he's playing with backup running backs, Ebron's come back to earth a little bit, but they do have a physical identity. They have a coach that you go, and Troy Aikman was talking about it, who wants to run the ball, who was part of that special offense back in the day with the Bills as a backup quarterback. He knows exactly what they want to do. Defensively, not many stars. They play well as a unit. So, is the division over? I mean, they do have the one-game lead, but the Colts, when you look at the two schedules, the Texans' schedule is actually harder down the stretch than the Colts. Could they both end up at 9-7? and seven? Then I don't know exactly. It depends on who they beat, their conference record, what the tiebreaker would be. But if I had to bet on a franchise for, you know... If you're betting right now, you'd say, you know what, the Texans are probably going to win the division. I think that's fair. They have one game lead, just the way with Deshaun and DeAndre Hopkins. But if you said the next five years, what team, if you had to you know, bet on one of these two teams like a stock, I would feel much more comfortable betting on the Indianapolis Colts. And that's with some uncertainty. Like, is Jacoby good enough? I don't even know. But I'm betting on an organization that has a philosophy, has an identity, has a clear vision of what they want. Like, what are the Texans going to do this offseason? They don't have first-round picks for the next two years. I think they gave a second-round pick as well. They just don't have that much talent on their team. They have some high-priced players. They're going to have to pay, what year is this for Deshaun Watson? His third year, so next year is going to his fourth. He's technically contract extension eligible this offseason. Laramie Tunzel, like, they traded for him. They have not extended him yet. They're going to have to pay him a boatload of money. So, sometimes you can, you know, win the battle and lose the war. So, yeah, you know, the Texans may get the best of them this year. But if you just think big picture, you call me crazy. I, I just like what the Colts are doing more. Now, again, there are parts of Jacoby, sometimes he's a slower processor. I think they're going to have to make a conscious effort to get him a, some better weapons on the outside. A T.Y. is a good player. He needs help. You know, in a perfect world, T.Y. should be at number two. Like, if, if your wide receiver room was T.Y. and DeAndre Hopkins, then you'd have something. But, I mean, that's kind of what look at what the Texans have. When Will Fuller's healthy, which is not all the time, he's an elite speed demon. So you put an elite speed demon next to Hopkins, those two guys are going to go for a combined 220-plus yards. And Deshaun will slice and dice you. But when it's just DeAndre by himself, it makes it a little harder. Just like when it's just Ty by himself, you're like, "Well, this is kind of difficult." And Ty's getting open, but I believe in Chris Ballard. Frank Reich is pretty clear; he's a really good coach. Just like again, I I think Bill O'Brien's kind of crazy, but I think he's a solid coach too. But who's helping him out? Like, is he going to land the New England Patriot guy to help him out? Even if he shows up, what's he going to do? They they don't have many draft picks, so they 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 sold the farm for this season. Like you watch the Texans and think, yeah, that team is going to win a playoff game? Hell no. Now, the, I'm not saying the Colts are either, but if they keep building the way they are, they're going to sooner or later. It might be next year, might be in two years, but they're headed in the right trajectory. Feels like the Texans are a roller coaster ride. I mean, geez, Louise, like is J.J. Watt going to play another snap for the Texans? He's been he's missed like three of the last four years. It feels like eventually his body's just going to give out. They don't have Cl- Clowney's long gone. Look at their defense. Like who are their defensive playmakers? I don't. I don't. I don't get it. You know. I, I just think the Texans, man, they, they, this sold their soul to losing the first round of the playoffs.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue, while you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage.
1: making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
2: Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you?
3: I wanted to hit on the
1: LA Stadium and the disaster that is the LA Stadium. The Chargers, the Rams, ESPN, and Seth Wickersham did an in-depth piece on this whole situation. If if you would be interested in business partnerships that are not working, and you like the NFL, I, I'd recommend it. It's a good read, and for the most part, it's stuff that I, I think we have a pretty good idea what's happening. That Stan Kroenke and someone in the league told me this this week. Kronky and Dean Spanos don't even talk, and they're building this palace that's well over budget. Of course, it is. It's California. the 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 unions, the the charges, the fees are. It's going to be really expensive. And it's like I don't know. They they were making jokes in the article that it's going to end up being a six billion dollar stadium. Now I don't know if it's going to be that much, but Stan Kroenke, who's footing the bill himself, while Dean Spanos does nothing. Like you do understand why the business partnership between these two people have fractured really Cronkey never wanted to be in business with him in the first place he just did it to ensure that he got ultimately the bid and he was allowed to move but it kind of struck me and listen I'm 35 and I'm single and I get this a lot like middle cough not they don't really say that's usually like from my parents or you know close family when are you gonna settle down and get married I don't know when I meet someone that's worth getting married to (laughs) I've dated a lot and I haven't deemed anyone quite worthy yet and maybe they haven't deemed me quite worthy like it's a pretty serious partnership I've been in some business partnerships where trust was fractured it does not work I've also been in some ones that where there's a lot of trust and it works pretty well in one on this podcast right now with with Colin and the Fox people and the premier people I run another podcast with another guy his name is Guy Haberman there's a lot of trust it works out pretty well I can't imagine being in business situations. I write for The Athletic. Pretty close with my boss, Tim Kawakami. We got issues, we talk about it. For the most part, there are no issues. When anything arises, we communicate. Like It's pretty seamless. I'm sure a lot of you guys, either in your personal relationships or your professional relationships, the successful ones are one, where you respect the other person, and two, where you can communicate. The problem for this situation, and I understand why the NFL wants there to be a team in LA obviously right now there's two but why you know years ago they wanted to get a team in Los Angeles there's too many people depending on where you read the greater LA area you know 20 million people whatever there are a boatload of people like it it doubles Northern California and obviously in the state of California there's a lot of people you want in on that market but when you go in and it made sense with Kroenke he has unlimited funds he has unlimited resources He can pay for the whole damn thing himself. He's a rich guy who married a rich woman. They just have an unlimited bank account. Most of us, I check my bank account. Depending on the day, it can look a lot better than the other days. But for the most part, I mean, it's not great, right? You know, it's not, I ain't seeing seven figures. I sure as hell ain't seeing eight figures. And I don't have just random savings accounts with nine figures in it. Cronky, I, I can't even imagine what his bank accounts look like. Dean Spanos, who's also a big fan of his bank accounts, but he's not a big fan of taking money out of those bank accounts and using them on things. He's one of the cheapest humans in the history of America that's rich. I actually say he gives rich people a bad name because he's your classic rich guy that hoards all the cash. Cronky spends. Cronky's spending all this money. He's building this palace in L.A. that, yeah, he's going to financially benefit from, but so is the city of Los Angeles. They'll host huge concerts. They'll have NFL games. They'll host a Super Bowl. It'll be... It'll it'll be mutually beneficial, especially when the city didn't have to pay for any of it. But when when you read this article, and it's we already know this, Dean Spanos is spending a dollar a year. He is doing zero legwork, yet he is going to profit off it. Of course those two people are going to hate each other. And then just this year, obviously the Chargers are going in. They were one of the lowest revenue teams to begin with. Two, their fan base was pretty unique and niche in San Diego. No one in LA cares. Moving him to L.A., it's clearly not working. The Rams, who were from L.A., but were gone for 25 years. The city of L.A., over that period of time, obviously in the 80s, Magic Johnson, the Showtime Lakers, became one of the biggest teams ever. Then in the late 90s, Shaq and Kobe. The, I mean, the Lakers were already probably the biggest brand on the West Coast, any sport. And the Dodgers are also w- really big. But the way people operate down there, it's a little fickle. If you're not good, their television ratings aren't really good. Where that is not necessarily the case. Obviously, whenever you win in any sport, more people are going to watch. But even the shitty Yankees are going to get people to watch. The bad Cowboys get people to watch. That's not the way it works out in California. The 49ers, who by far have the biggest following of any NFL team on the West Coast, when they lose, people just stop paying attention. So they're fighting an uphill battle. Now, in most of the people that made the decision to send the team to L.A., which, again, I understand big picture because it's all about making money, most of them are either in Dallas or the Northeast, the John Maras, the Robert Crafts, the Jerry Jones, the Jeffrey luries you know, the Rooneys, people like that, the elites, you know, they're, they're the Northeast elites is what I, the way I refer to them. And Jerry, who's unique, just wants to make more money. And also because of his company that ultimately runs like your sales team and your business team, he profits off of. So he's got a hand in that cookie jar. One of the reasons that he wants it to go down. But how's this ever going to work? Like I said, Stan Kroenke and Dean Spanos don't talk. Dean Spanos never wants to spend any money, so he's always going to be fighting an uphill battle when it comes to market share. He's your classic victimhood complainer. He's always bitching and moaning. Kroenke, you're kind of old school, super rich closer that will just do whatever it takes to, you know, benefit himself and his business and his product. It just—it's not a possible working relationship. I mean, this was a marriage destined to fail from the jump. I, I remember reading that, oh, they're only going to charge Dean Spanos a dollar. I'm like, I don't, I don't see. This is going to create animosity. You might as well charge him a legitimate rent so at least you can feel like he's pulling his weight. Because when you charge him a dollar and he's not spending any of the money to build this thing, he's going to feel like a leech. And then when you just look at his past history of a guy that never wants to spend any cash... It's only going to become infinitely worse for, for Stan Kroenke that they talk about in this article that keeps using the words like, I'm kind of being taken advantage of. I'm the guy doing all the work. I'm the guy spending all the money. And these guys aren't doing a damn thing. Couldn't they have figured this out three years ago? Looking back, the biggest mistake they made, let me repeat, the biggest mistake they made was not just sending the Rams by themselves and saying, listen, Dean, you work on your stadium with San Diego. You just kind of hold firm there for a little bit. The Raiders, you either stay in Oakland or you go to Vegas. You do whatever you want to do. You're not allowed in, in L.A. either. Let's just let Stan wet his foot, see how this thing goes, build this thing, and if he needs another team in there to generate more money, then we'll do it. But why not just send one team for a city on the West Coast, which is not really the football haven. Well, it produces a lot of like high school recruits they never really missed an NFL team for all those years. That let's just feel our way out. We're not used to the culture of these people, given that we haven't been here. And all the people that were deciding whether to send the team are, yeah, in Philly, they'd run through a wall for your team. Same thing in Cleveland, same thing in New York, same thing in Boston. That's not the case out here. But no one rose their hand because everyone was so damn greedy, which, again, I'm pro-greed, but I'm also pro-greed with using some common sense that no one could stand up. Listen, Mark Davis, you're not allowed to come, so you leave the room. Listen, Dean, we're not trying to screw you over here, but we get you've been some loyal partner, but it doesn't make any sense to send one of our, I'm not trying to be an asshole here, but a brand that doesn't necessarily resonate in any city outside of San Diego. Let's just take a deep breath. If they need you, we'll allow you to go. But until then, we'll either help you finance a stadium in San Diego, or, may, I don't know, move you to the St. Louis, move you somewhere else. I don't know. But you're not going to L.A. They sent two teams to L.A. when they only should have sent one, and they, they basically had a shotgun marriage with two guys that are nothing alike. T- to my knowledge, Stan Kroenke was not born into wealth, self-made. Then he married into more wealth, but he created his wealth himself. And he's clearly open to spending whatever it takes to win. Coaches, players, stadiums, doesn't care. He will spend money to make more money. Dean Spanos, complete opposite. Born into elite wealth, inherited a team, never spends any money on anything, fights every elite player he's ever had tooth and nail over every penny. That marriage is going to work? Think about that. It's like... It's like marrying having a marriage where one person's a homebody and the other person wants to go hiking every day. You're like, "Well, these two are going to have a different opinion on what to do in their free time. It's probably not going to work." One person's an introvert, one person's an extrovert. And they say opposites attract, and, and to a point, I believe that, but when you factor in money, and that's ultimately what a business partnership is, you do have to have some shared values. And I don't see any shared values. I don't see a market that really is as hungry, I think, as the NFL thinks. Though they will take it. They could have eased it in with one team. The Rams made sense given Kroenke's pockets. But but adding Dean Spanos, I said this from the jump. You could have seen this disaster coming from a mile away.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats.
3: They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to tirerackcom Colin to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's tirerack.com/colon. Tirerack.com the way tire buying should be. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my
1: first car? ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply okay let's dive into before we get into the sunday games i just wanted to specifically talk about really three teams, uh, it, it's a massive, massive weekend for Jason Garrett and just kind of his operation. Now, it's been talked about on a million shows, so it, it's clear, right? The Cowboys are really talented. And as I said weeks ago, I think when they lost to Minnesota, it was like, if this team misses the playoffs somehow, and, and somehow Philly, by the time that the Dallas game kicks off, we'll have known the Philly-Seattle the winner. So Philly is kind of hanging on by a thread, and we'll dive into that game a little later. But eventually, Jason Garrett's going to have to beat a good team this year. Their, their team's just too talented. We, we heard Bill Belichick, if you, if you listen and saw his press conference or heard some of his words. Now, he's over the top whenever he's playing a team, how well they're playing, uh, the compliments he gives. But if you've watched act this year, he's been awesome. Amari Cooper's had a career year. Jamarcus Lawrence is flying all over everywhere. Zeke's been fine. Gallup's been good. Cobb's been good. Like, they have too much talent to not win 11 or 12 games. And they're getting the Patriots at kind of a weird time. Their offense is not playing well at all. They can't really run the ball. Their receiver position's kind of in shambles. There was a report today, as of recording this, that they've been kicking the tires on bringing Antonio Brown back. No wonder AB's apologizing on Instagram and Twitter to Robert Kraft. They they could use them, right? No, no one would argue that Antonio Brown wouldn't help the Patriots. They got a little bit of a receiving problem. Rob Gronkowski clearly is not walking back through that door. And I, I've seen the stat a couple times. or a couple places. I know Collins used it. The Cowboys, or excuse me, the Patriots haven't lost a home game since like 2017. So they don't lose many games in Foxborough, especially when the weather starts turning. But this game... Like, eventually, Jason Garrett, to save his job, and I've been saying from the jump, Jerry Jones wants no part of firing him. Going on a coaching search, if you're an owner, is easily your most stressful potential acquisition, your most stressful interview. Like, it's really, really difficult. Because even if you think you nail it at the time, you could could easily do worse off than Jason Garrett. I love Lincoln Riley. But just to assume that he'd come to the, the NFL and kill it is a little bit of a stretch. I mean, he's been a head coach for like... Three and a half years, he's 36 years old. Again, 37 years. I like. I'm mean, a. I'm as big of a Lincoln Riley fan as you'll find. But everyone just thinks you can just chalk him up as some future start. You just never know. For every Jimmy Johnson that comes through, there's been a lot of Chip Kelly's. So the, the Jason Garrett and Jer- or Jerry Jones wants Jason Garrett to figure this thing out desperately, but he's got to win a big game, and it kind of starts with this weekend because his team. Is every bit as talented as the as the Patriots? You could argue, man for man, they're more talented. But you got to get it done because if Dallas does start playing a little bit better, who'd want to see them in the playoffs? They are really good. Now, the coaching in the playoffs gonna that that would where if you're a Niner fan, Packer fan, we'll see. Obviously, the Saints, Minnesota, Seattle, you go. Well, I like our coach more, and you'd be right. The other game that's gonna just have massive, massive playoff implications is the Sunday night game. Uh, the Niners, you know, you could argue they played one really good team this season. They lost in overtime. Now, it was the game of the year, but it was a full-on war zone against Seattle, and the 49ers lost. The Packers, who have come back to earth a little bit lately, they're still 8-2. The Niners are 9-1. Nine the Packers are 8-2. Whoever wins this game is going to be licking their lips and thinking one or two seed. Home field bye. If you're the 49ers, you could argue this is a must win. Now, hear me out. You'd be like, Middle Cup must win? They're 9-1. Well, their next three games, starting with Green Bay, are at Baltimore and at New Orleans, and they end the season at Seattle with the Rams mixed in and even this kind of surging Atlanta team. According to ESPN, stats and info, it's the hardest three-game stretch, Packers at Ravens, at Saints, in football history. In football history. That no team this late in the season have ever played three teams with 80% winning percentages and above. Now, obviously that's subject to change if the Seattle were to lose or Baltimore were to lose or, you know, not Seattle, excuse me. Uh, the Saints were to lose or Baltimore were to lose in these this weekend or the Saints next weekend. But as of right now, on paper, they're playing three straight teams with a combined record of 24-6. and So this is the only time you're getting them at home. Now, George Kittle came back to practice earlier in the week. Uh, he'll be huge. And Kyle Shanahan, I like my chances with Kyle Shanahan over Matt LaFleur. But, diving into the Packers, they're clearly much improved. The, the Smith brothers are kicking ass and taking names. The two running backs have a combined 20 touchdowns. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's been somewhat of a roller coaster ride, though he's made big-time plays in big-time moments. The 49ers are going to be missing D Ford. This game should get just a stupid rating. I mean, it, they should be 30 million people watching this bad boy. And for the Packers, you win this game, and you're 9-2, and two, and you have a win over the 49ers, you're going to come down the home stretch and think, why can't we be the number one seed? Now, you you, you could argue that, I, you know, I don't really mind the Packers if they're a road team coming into Levi Stadium in January, but the Niners would be feeling pretty good about themselves if they beat the Packers in this game, and then they had to play them again in January. Now, the difference would be if the Packers are hosting, and let's say they got the number one seed, that ain't an easy place to play, uh, especially a team like the 49ers, which I look out my window. It's about 70 degrees today. So there is zero chance, or there's just, it's impossible to prepare for a Lambeau game that's like negative 20 in the middle of January. Now, the Niners did, under Harbaugh, go on the road. Remember in the game where Kaepernick didn't wear sleeves, and they won. But this it's a little different with this team. That defense was a little bit better. It'd be a little more difficult. But whoever wins this game is going to be riding sky high on cloud nine. But for the 49ers, it might be short-lived because the next two-game stretch against the Ravens and the Saints is really intense. Now, the Packers still have games against the Lions, the Bears, and Minnesota. You know, Minnesota... Are, who are they playing? Are they have a bye this week? I think they do. That I think Minnesota's really good. So they, they could easily beat the Packers. But between the Cowboys... The 49ers and the Packers, you know, we're going to learn a lot. Okay, let's dive into uh, the Sunday games. We'll bang out like a minute on each and fly through this. The NFC South first uh, morning matchup. Buccaneers at Atlanta. Falcons minus four and a half. Uh, The Buccaneers, listen, Jameis is just a turnover machine. I think he has 18 interceptions so far this season. Feels like he's on pace, I mean, he's clearly on pace for about 25, 26, just a train wreck. I mean, he turns the ball over at, you know, a historic rate, even for his his paces. Uh, the Falcons, I guess over the bye week, Dan Quinn put all the names in a hat, and now coaches are coaching different positions. I mean, you Falcons fans listening might be like, well, John, that's not exactly what happened. I I, I thought the Falcons were destined for a top five pick. Now it feels like just through two games, are like the hottest team in the league. Uh, I'd probably take Atlanta's minus, Atlanta minus four and a half, but the Bucks are sneaky, man, just because they could score points. But at any moment, Jameis can throw a pick six, and the Bucks defense is terrible. This is, I mean, unless you're living the South, this is not a great game. Broncos at the Bills. Uh, I, I think this Brandon Allen character is going to run into, this is going to be a little bit different. Bills Mafia, it's getting cold in the Northeast. Bills' defense is really good. I, I love the Bills minus four in this game. All of a sudden, you look up, you're like, the Bills are 8-3. and three. And it's just when the dust settles, I, I've been saying it from the jump, they were a lock playoff team, which seems a little crazy because you're like, well, they don't really score any points. And they don't really, unless their defense creates them. But they're about to be 8-3. and three. And when you're 8-3 and three, with that level of defense, you're destined for the 5 seed in an AFC that's not very good this year. So the Bills, cruise control. Giants at Chicago, minus 6. Trubisky... Clearly fake injury, Uh, he's terrible, but the Giants are worse. The Giants are a dumpster fire franchise. John Mara, if he has any sense and big picture feel, should get rid of everyone in that building. Pat Shermer, nice guy, high character guy, not a good head coach. Dave Gettleman, I just would not want Dave Gettleman as my general manager, The Bears clearly have their own problems. Khalil Mack has been a shell of himself this season. I I don't know why these last five or six games, his urgency, his effort has been terrible. He's not playing like a ninety million dollar guy. Then their offense is just horrendous. The Bears have issues. I I wouldn't, I would not bet on this game. But I I think Chicago. If Chicago loses this game, I I don't even know. I'd be speechless. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Maybe I hyped up the week. Maybe this week is pretty terrible. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati, that's a terrible game. Uh, The Bengals, one of the worst teams we've seen in recent memory. They feel borderline destined right now for an undefeated season in the wrong way, 0-16. The Steelers, the Mason Rudolph stuff, for all the, you know, Miles Smollett, as I'll call him, who made up the racial stuff about Mason Rudolph, allegedly, at least according to the NFL and every guy that was around there. Uh, I know Miles acts like he, he said it, but I think that's kind of masking just how bad Mason Rudolph was last Thursday. He threw four interceptions and was horrendous. He's a slow blinker, holds on to the football too long. Now, it won't matter in this game because the Steelers are just dramatically better than the Bengals, but, yeah, I guess unless you live, even if you're a Steeler fan, I, I, I don't know how you'd be super locked into this game. I like the Steelers minus six and a half. They should kill him. Dolphins at the Browns. You know, the Browns lose Miles Garrett, their best defensive player. Starting to get a little mojo, though. Won a couple games in a row. Their offense is starting to click. Baker looking a lot better. The Dolphins, who don't have very good players, the one thing you would say about them is they have played their ass off for about the last five or six games. I mean, their effort every game is elite. Say what you want. Their talent sucks. Their drafts have sucked. The trades, you know, for tanking Sucked. But they are playing at a really, really high effort level. Now, this is the National Football League. This isn't high school. You don't get effort points. You don't win games with effort. But you can stay in games when you're playing with pros when you try hard. And the one thing I'll give the Dolphins, they look well coached and they are trying hard. The 10.5 number seems a little strong. But the games in Cleveland probably be a stay away for me. I like Cleveland to win the game. But 10.5, I don't care who the Browns are playing unless they're playing like uh, Fresno State. They should not be a 10-point favorite. That's that's too high. Panther Saints. Kyle Allen's come back to earth a little bit. The Panthers are struggling a little bit. Uh, the New Orleans Saints got their mojo back last week. I still think the Saints, when on, are the best team in the NFC. Now, by the end of this weekend and the next couple weeks, we'll have a lot more clarity on that. But I think top to bottom... Quarterback, wide receiver, running back, coach, offensive line, defense, the home field. I, I think they're the total package. Uh, this is a pretty big line, but that place is rocking. They're going to start smelling, you know, a home field buy in the first round. I mean, they already are in position. But I, I would take the Saints nine and a half's a little strong, but I, I think the Panthers are kind of trending in the wrong way, so I'd probably take the Saints minus nine and a half. Raiders at the Jets. This game's interesting. Raiders are clearly one of the better stories of the league. Uh, I, I would never in a million years have guessed that they would be 6-4. and four, But I got some red flags on this game when it comes to the Raiders. One, they've been one of the better rushing teams in the league this year. Josh Jacobs is going to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. I mean, him or Kyler. Kyler's actually been really good. But I think Josh Jacobs being the best player on a playoff contender, I, I have, I'd i give the award to Josh Jacobs. He's He's changed the Raiders. The New York Jets, I've found this out on uh, Baldy Breakdowns on Twitter. The New York Jets are the number one rush defense in the league. The number one rush defense in the league. Now, I I, I would imagine if you dove into context, they've been down big in games. Like, you could really probably nitpick some of this. But, one thing's clear. They stopped the run. So, something's got to give there. Derek Carr, like Jared Goff, are two individuals that I've been watching since they were freshmen in college. Even Carr a little longer in that are California guys, and do not play well in the inclement weather. I will always bet against those two guys when they play in cold situations. So you're going to New York, it's going to be in the 40s, and for us on the West Coast, 40 is really, if you live in the Northeast, that's like our 20. So that's really cold to us. The rain, I don't like Derek to play well in that situation because historically he never has since he's been in the NFL. Him and Jared Goff play poorly in inclement weather. I like the Jets plus two and a half, and... I just Sam Darnold was really good last week. Now, granted, it was against the Redskins, but the Raiders' defense is worse than the Redskins. I, I think the Raiders, player for player, might have the worst defense in the league. Uh, they they're, they got a Mac, Mad Max Crosby starting to make some plays, but I, I like the Jets here in an upset special, especially just because they can take away the one thing the Raiders do well, and that's running the ball. Seattle at Philly. You know, Seattle's coming off a bye. Uh, they're feeling pretty good off that big Monday night football win. Philly's... He's fighting for their life. Uh, Mark Jackson once famously said before he got fired by the Golden State Warriors, I'm fighting for my life. That's what the Eagles are doing right now. They have a home game. Regardless what happens to Dallas, this is, this is a must win. Philly has to win just to keep their head above water. As of recording this, they're missing a bunch of players from practice. They have had a ton of injuries. Watching the game last week against New England, You know, you can blame the wide receivers. I I wouldn't put as much blame on the quarterback. I actually think he looks pretty good. He's got to get a little bit better with some touch passes. But I don't watch Carson Wentz and go, that's the problem. I mean, the receivers can't catch. Nelson Aguilar, as the guy that caught the kids jumping out of the burning building, says, you got to catch the football. And Carson Wentz hit him in the hands on a game-winning play. I guess it would have been a game-tying play against New England. And he dropped it. Tough catch. But but this is not this is not even called this is the pros, this is the pros. You're playing for a team and you played on a team that won a Super Bowl. They depend on you to make tough plays. That separates people at the highest level of any business. Can you do extraordinary stuff? And you can't. And the and the reality is, and I'm not even trying to crush Nelson Aguilar. They're depending on him to be a little bit of everything: an outside guy, an inside guy. He's got to carry him. He's just not good enough. I actually think just a guy to keep an eye on is like an undervalued free agent asset. Cause I think everyone's looking at him like Nelson Aguilar sucks. Nelson, no, Nelson Aguilar is good. If he's just like your third wide receiver, when he basically becomes your one, which he is in Philly because Alshon and Deshaun are out. It's a problem. Uh, so I, I would lean Philly, but Seattle, I think eight of their 10 games have been one score games. They've played multiple overtime games. They're like the good version of the chargers. Every single one of their games is close. Because when you really dive into it, besides like Russell and three or four other guys, their roster's not great. They went on coaching, toughness, and quarterback play. This is a tough game for Philly, but I, I do think it's a winnable game. Lions at the Redskins. The Redskins are just a disaster. I mean, I, I watched just getting ready for this Raider game, watched the Jets play the Redskins. Dwayne Haskins looks like a JV player. I, I know it's unfair to completely blame him. They can't block for him. But God, he looks terrible. He he looks really he looks like a practice squad or not a top fifteen pick. The Lions, Stafford, surely to miss another game, Jeff Driscoll. Again, if you don't live in Washington or Detroit, I don't know why you would watch this game. If I was gonna gamble on it, well, I don't know. I guess I'd take the Lions plus three and a half. I mean, the only reason that Lion is that way, because Jeff Driscoll's starting. Just a gross game. Jaguars at Titans. You know, another one that's not exactly moving the needle this get this week is I hyped it up. It's it's actually pretty terrible. The Jags at the Titans. Uh I, I don't really know what to say. I guess Nick Foles trying to establish himself back as the starter. You know, if he has another average to below average game, do we start talking about Gardner Minshew, Wally Pippin him this offseason? Would they trade Foles? The Titans, I mean, just have life. They are five and five. So you win this game, you're six and five with Ryan Tannehill. You still play the Raiders. You play a bunch of teams in your division. You're you're not out of it by any means. Hell, they could still win the division. Uh, definitely could make a six wild card because the, the six seed in the AFC, there's a chance it's eight and eight, but I'm pretty confident it's going to be nine and seven. If you're nine and seven, you're going to have a legit chance to make the playoffs in the AFC. So I, I guess I wouldn't take the Titans minus three and a half in this game, but I, I probably won't be watching much of it. This game's pretty damn good. Dallas at New England. Now... Would you ever, in a vacuum, bet against Bill Belichick versus Jason Garrett? Of course not. But when you start kind of diving in, rumors are they're kicking the tires on Antonio Brown. They have legit wide receiver issues. They can't really run the ball. Brady looks a little flustered. Their offensive line hasn't been blocking as well. Now, granted, they're getting Isaiah Wynn back this week. Their defense, though, is top-notch. But Dak's been one of the better players in the league this year. Amari Cooper's having a, you know, a... uh, a career year. Their offense has been really dynamic except a couple games and like a couple moments in big games. Dallas, and I I said this earlier, is just too good to not win a big game this season. They have too much talent. Now, the stats speak for themselves. The Patriots haven't lost a game in Foxborough in what seems like in years. Literally, it is years. I, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just going against the grain. Maybe I'm just trying to be a contrarian. I'm taking Dallas, not just plus six and a half. I'm taking them to win the game. Uh, everything would say, you're betting against Brady, you're betting against Belichick at home. I know it's crazy talk, and I I just think, I'm just going against the grain. I I, I can't really justify it because Jason Garrett, I have no faith in him anymore. This Kellen Moore against Belichick, I mean, come on. But the the Cowboys really do have a ton of talent everywhere. And just, you'd think one game they play top to bottom, you know, start to finish, just a high-level game. And they could just out-talent New England. Because if you gave Belichick, if you just said, starting in December, Belichick will coach the Cowboys for the rest of the season, I'd be like, yeah, they'll win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'd feel pretty confident. I'd be like, ah, yeah, they'll, they'll be a Super Bowl champ. That's how much talent is on this Dallas team. So you, you would think, even if they get bounced in the first round or whatever, they're going to put one game together where you go, damn, the Cowboys are good. Now, full disclosure, I did pick Cowboys to win the NFC, so am I just hedging my bets hoping that they'll turn around? Maybe a little. Uh, and maybe I'm just a contrarian, but I'm, I'm taking the Cowboys. Game of the day, Packers at the Niners. The just biggest Sunday night game in a long time since that mean hell. Biggest primetime game since last week when the 49ers played the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football highest rated game of the year. The, the Packers aren't your typical just offensive-oriented team. They, they signed Darius Smith, Preston Smith, who have been badasses, have dominated. I think have combined for 18 and a half sacks. Then you have the two corners. Jerry Alexander, who they drafted in the first round, is really good. Kevin King from Washington has turned into like a poor man's Richard Sherman. You know, he's like 6'3", he's long, he'll tackle, he's got good ball skills. They got difference makers on defense. Kenny Clark, the UCLA Former UCLA defensive tackle is kind of their nose tackle. He's a really disruptive player. They, they, they've just been good. They, they've been they've been solid on defense, much better than they've been in years past. Offensively, Aaron's playing really well. He's just playing at a high level. Devontae, who was banged up earlier in the year from the Eagles game, play, was really good last week again or two weeks ago against Carolina. Their running backs have combined for twenty touchdowns. Twenty touchdowns. Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, eight in the air. So they're getting so much freaking production out of their backfield, it's stupid. Now, the one thing the Niners hang their hat on is their defense. And their defense typically dominates. Uh, they've held basically every quarterback this year in check, really, except Kyler Murray, who's giving them fits. But Aaron Rodgers is a little bit different. But he does have some similarities with Kyler Murray and even Russell Wilson that kind of took advantage of them in that Monday night game. Is he can keep plays alive with his feet. De Ford's out for the game. Now, the difference in this game to me is the Niners have sputtered a little bit on offense the last couple weeks. George Kittle's back. And George Kittle's one of the best players in the NFL. He's not just the Niners' best player. He's literally one of the best players. He's that big of a difference maker. Kyle Kyle's one of the best schemers in the league. Uh, the Talk around the Bay has been, I didn't know this, but the, the reason Matt LaFleur got into the NFL is because he worked with Robert Sala, who is Kyle Shanahan's defensive coordinator, back in Houston in 08, they were looking for a quality control guy. Well, Robert Sala had worked at Central Michigan, where he had been a assistant coach. Also, an assistant coach on that staff was Matt Lafleur. Also playing on that team was Joe Staley, and they knew each other. He gave his name as a recommendation. Kyle and Kubiak interviewed him. They ended up hiring him, and then that and then Lafleur followed him to Washington. And you know, I think Lafleur's brother still on Kyle's staff, and Kyle had worked for Petten in Cleveland. So there is a lot of just connections and carryovers in this game of guys working for and with each other—that I'm fascinated to watch. I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, I'm really excited for this game. I, you know, call me a homer, or whatever. I think I like the Niners, sl- giving the slight edge, just giving it's a home game. The next two games for the Niners are no joke—the Ravens and then the Saints. But man, this is uh, th- this reminds me of my youth: Steve Young versus Brett Favre. An old-school NFC game. To quote my guy Bart Scott, can't wait.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this bundled savings variant are not available in every state coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions
2: there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you coming and when you get access to resi priority notify with your amex platinum card hey this looks amazing i'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through amex travel it's worth the trip That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on-and-off-road adventure. Go to tirerack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Pirelli test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. eBay Motors is here
1: for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, let's uh, let's dive up into those DMs. At John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. DMs wide open. You slide up in them and we answer your questions right here on the show. Let's start with Austin. If you were to rank the three most physical football players you've ever seen, who would they be? I'd go with Larry Allen, Sean Taylor, and LT. I'd go with Ray Lewis. This is a good one. I'd go with Ray Lewis. Definitely Ray Lewis. I love Ray Lewis. Brian Dawkins. Slash John Lynch. And I'm going to go a little under the radar, but this guy was such a badass. The Cowboy, Justin Smith. I mean, he was just an old school load. You know, one of the guys that probably didn't get as much credit. I mean, obviously, Dawkins, I know I, I, I picked four. Dawkins and Lynch were just... <laughs> I, I love football where when you went over the middle, there was no such thing as a defenseless receiver. He was just a wide receiver. And the guys were coming for your head. Those days were over, though. You mentioned Colts maybe taking two late in the first if he fell there. What do you think of Jalen Hurts get drafted? Fourth round? If so, maybe stick with Jacoby. Take a guy like Hurts to sit behind him. See if he turns into an NFL quarterback. Also making judgment on Jacoby. Yeah, I kind of like that. I think, you know, the more you watch Jalen Hurts, you realize... You can watch some bad throws. You know, his arm strength's just okay. But he's super resilient. I love the character on the guy. Uh, I think he's going to blow people away with his interviews. Sabin and Lincoln Riley are going to hold him in, in reverence. They, they're going to hold him in very, very high esteem. Just hold him in reverence. They, they're going to speak about him in reverence. I think I'm using that word wrong. You guys know what I mean. They, they, they're going to they're going to think very highly of the guy. And uh, his respect, I know people at Oklahoma and know people at Alabama, they love the guy. Uh, so all that stuff, his physical tools, clearly as a runner, you know, I, you know, they took McSorley last year, so Baltimore probably wouldn't need him, but you're right. The Colts are going to need a quarterback. You could argue the Colts, like I talked about earlier, why don't you just keep building around Jacoby and try to make a run next year? Yeah. Take this guy in the middle of the rounds. I I, I could dig that. I'd have no problem taking Jalen Hurts in the fourth round. I, I, I'd have, I would do that without hesitation. Oh, let's see if I can. I listen to a lot of sports podcasts daily as I drive a lot to work. Yours is by far the best. It's not even close. Appreciate that. I don't know if it's because you do one every Monday night as opposed to every weekday, but the only way to find more during the week, big fan letting you know. So I guess this was just, you know, a guy singing my praises, you know, you got you to gotta, probably need to read a, some negative stuff to keep that uh, keep that head small. Huge fan of the Indianapolis Colts. One thing I noticed is the Colts have a lot of fans. They, they, definitely, they definitely have a lot of fans that listen to Colin because you guys have heard me through him. Obviously, this season has been a roller coaster ride. I felt like the team was a great quarterback away from being in the Super Bowl. Jacoby is a leader and doing great things considering the circumstances, but I just don't feel he's the answer going forward. Past Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Tua, I do not have a lot of confidence in the quarterback talent in the draft, so my question is. What do the quarterbacks do? I despise tanking and I do uh, the Colts ain't gonna tank. I do not think Tua will even fall with the hip injury. Do we trade up, try to get a vet on the open market, or get Jacoby, Jacob Easton? No, or Jacob Frump? No. Or stick with Jacoby. I, you guys you guys are way too hard on Jacoby. Now, is Jacoby luck or Peyton Manning? Here's a problem for you guys. It's like it's like whoever the nest point guard is of the Warriors. If the bar Steph Curry, yeah, the next guy's gonna suck. Like you guys, even, and I'm sure you admit this. If we were sitting there having beers, you you've had Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Like that ain't normal. (laughs) Ask Forty Nine er fans since Steve Young and Jeff Garcia left, from Tim Rattay to Trent Dilfer to Alex Smith to Blaine Gabbert to some Hoyer. I mean, most franchise. Ask Raider fans. Since Rich Gannon, how ugly it was till Carr showed up. You guys like Jacoby is—is is he a top ten quarterback? No. Is he probably somewhere between ten and fifteen? Yes. Is he good enough if you draft well to to make the playoffs? I I still think you guys can make the six seed this year. That tiebreaker against the Raiders—you should root for the Raiders to lose to the Jets. But I think you're being a little harsh on the guy. Is he is he a great player? No, but he, he was you know slotted to be a backup. He's a damn good backup. Now circumstances changed. Like Middlecoff, why? why yeah, he's not a backup anymore. He's a starter, and we gave him thirty million dollars, and that's fair. So I, I appreciate teams that in fan bases that have high standards, as you should. But I think we all got to realize that he's never going to be luck. So he's not going to be. Luck's ability to keep plays alive with his legs. I mean, And Jacoby's not a bad athlete by any means. But he just, Lux is better. I mean, just better in every sense of the word. I think Jacoby's okay. You know, this, like tonight's a good example. Where I just supported the Colts, you know, to open the podcast. I also think on Thursday night, as we get later in the season, you know, this is mid-November. It is very, very difficult for the road team. Very, very difficult. You know, even though it's not that far of a travel, it's still, it's, the, the the road team has a huge disadvantage to me once you get past like November 1st, especially when you're talking about divisional opponents. So I, just give Jacoby these two years, give him this year and give him next year, and then we'll reevaluate. Everyone's talking about tanking for Tua or any college quarterback. What about getting the high draft pick, taking Chase Young, and then getting Cam Newton or Kaepernick? Yeah, I'd say Kaepernick's not really on the table. Get a for sure great pass rusher plus a BQB. Lots of BQBs have won Super Bowls on great teams. Two for the price of one. You know what's funny is I was talking to a buddy in the NFL, and we were talking about when you look at the recent top quarterbacks that are drafted, think of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. None of them are top five picks. None of them. Mahomes, no. Brady, no. Rodgers, no. Russell Wilson, no. Watson, no. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, no. Derek Carr, no. I'm just going to go through good players. Carson Wentz is one of the outliers. He's not even playing that well. Uh, who am I missing? Lamar Jackson, no. Drew Brees, no. Kirk Cousins, no. I'm just going playoff quarterbacks, not necessarily the top guys. I mean, just Jacoby Brissett, no. The, the, most of the top quarterbacks, Goff, not going to be in the playoffs. Uh, Baker Mayfield kind of stinks. Kyler's actually not bad. Stafford, not bad, but he's hurt. But think of, think of all the guys that went top: Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jared Goff, Sam, uh, Darnold, Roethlisberger didn't go in the top three. Eli's shot now, hard to judge him. Rivers, I think went fourth. He didn't go in the top three. But you see what I'm saying? Like, you don't need to gut, like you don't need to take the guy number one overall. When's the last number one overall that played like Peyton Manning? It's been a while. It's been, it was luck, and he's out of the league. So there's this notion that it's like the NBA. To, you got to get if you want LeBron, you got to draft one. That's true in the NBA. LeBron, Zion, Anthony Davis, like the sweet sweet player, typically goes one. Now there are just like football: Kawhi Leonard, Klay Thompson, Giannis Antetokounmpo million freaking examples of guys going like the early teens. But football, I think we all think you want a quarterback, you gotta get a number one. What about the guy you take at ten? What about the guy you take at fifteen? Where'd Mahomes go? Twelve. Where'd Deshaun Watson go? Ten. Where'd Garoppolo go? Second round. Russell Wilson, third round. I mean Dak Prescott, fourth round. So yeah, I I, I kind of I'm starting to change my thinking a little bit. You think the Vikings defense giving up all these points to Detroit, Dallas, and Denver that their issue is with the secondary? I've never studied all the all twenty-two tape of Xavier Rhodes, but I always assumed Xavier Rhodes was a really good player. Whenever I watch Xavier Rhodes now, I don't think he's very good. So the, the Minnesota Vikings they're paying him like a big-time guy. He's not playing like a big-time guy. Who's their other corner? Trey Wayne's. Now, Harrison Smith's a really good player. Their defensive line's really good. And their linebackers are good. But, and they got some dayhill back. I just don't think their corners are very good. You know? I, when In that defense, when you're blitzing all the time, you gotta be able to cover. And, and right now, they just can't cover. What's your opinion on the NFL retiring numbers league-wide? I think if they were to ever implement this, Brady's number 12 would be a good one to start with. Yeah, you know, with football, because there are so many players in different positions where specific kind of number ranges, it's not an option. To me, it's a team thing. I think it's safe to say that number 12, whenever TB12 hangs them up, will not be allowed to be taken by anyone with the with the Patriots. Super passionate about football. Love Oh, love your show. Super passionate about football, so I appreciate your football-centric show. Here's my question. 49ers, one loss in the season to the Seahawks. Two. What I don't understand is why are the 49ers leading division with one loss in the division and Seahawks undefeated? Overall record shouldn't matter for the division, right? Doesn't make sense to me. Shed some light. Well, you only play six divisional games in the 16-game season. So, if you go 6-0 and and I go 4-2 and in the division, yet my record's 12-4 and and you're 10-6 you should win the division like it it factors in for tiebreakers so if we have the same record but part of it's like baseball part of the challenge in winning a division isn't just winning games in your division it's playing well throughout the season like winning a division in the NFL should be very very challenging right if you were ever going to win the take out the patriots you have to be perfect if you, if you're going to win the NFC this year or excuse me, the NFC West, like Seattle, like you can't drop that game to New Orleans against Teddy Bridgewater. Like you gotta take advantage of situations. So I hear what you're saying and it comes into play for tiebreakers, but to me I it's about 16 games. Like that's when you think of the NFL season, when I worked in the NFL and now I cover it, you don't like those six games matter because you play each opponent twice. But those other 10 games are big. I mean, that's the thing about football. Whether you're, you know, high school football, whether it's pro football, college football, every game matters. It's a great part about the sport. You know, now division games are more important just because you, you're you going to play the opponent twice, but, you know, the Niners are playing the Packers. This this game's just as important as the Seattle playing Philly. I mean, they're, they're based, every game's a divisional game. You know, every game has equal amount of, of weight. It's a great part about football. Rodgers having a great year, but his style of play does not give me confidence that he's going to last more than three years. Should the Packers look at drafting a quarterback and sitting him to learn behind Rodgers? Also, since he will never really have a season with a high draft pick, do we gamble that a late-round quarterback will turn in, or do we just suck for a few years after Roger and get a good pick and draft a quarterback then? Yeah, I would probably wait one more season. You know, he's 35 or 36 right now. Maybe do it maybe after next season because depending on how this season goes and they're going to be in the mix to win the Super Bowl this year, I think your chips are all in the middle of the table trying to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers these next couple years. That, that is 100% the only goal. But you never want to get into a position where it's like your guy retires and then you just suck. That's not a well-run organization. That's not the, the general manager's job is always to think five and ten years. But... But job's a little unique because he has one of the greatest players ever playing quarterback. And to me, Aaron Rodgers is such a good player. He deserves to have multiple Super Bowls. But it's going to be hard. I mean, look at the players. It's going to be impossible. Not impossible. But whoever wins the NFC, you know, let's say the Packers win the NFC. And they were the two seed. That would mean they probably beat, like, the Cowboys and then they beat the Saints. Or they beat the Niners and then they beat the Saints. Or they beat the Saints, then they beat the Niners. It would be an incredible accomplishment. To win the NFC this year, you're going to be really good. My one question is, do you believe that Wilson can come around and win another Super Bowl? 100%. I think that Russell Wilson will be in another Super Bowl. Will he win it? You know, Super Bowl is a coin flip game. But I I believe he's that special of a player. I don't think they have a Super Bowl team this year. But with Pete Carroll, John Schneider, as long as you have Russell... They're going to be in the mix these next couple years. I I think they have one more in them. Should the Eagles be worried about Carson Wentz? Worried might be strong, but I think he needs to look in the mirror. And one thing I noticed watching the Patriot game, and I've noticed a little bit this season, he has a little Pete Kaepernick to him. He can make these extraordinary big plays. He has an elite arm, throws BBs. He also throws a little like sometimes Carson, not every pass needs to be a fastball. You need to throw some changeups. And when you watch Carson, now it's not he's playing with Nelson Aguilar's best wide receiver. So, you know, Alshon's hurt, Deshaun's MIA. He he's not playing with a full deck. But that's shit, that's life, right? That's the NFL. Guys go down. You gotta you gotta respond. You gotta make guys better. And I think right now Carson's been a little hit or miss. Now he is. He's been injured the past two seasons, right to end the season. I think if they miss the playoffs this year, which it kind of feels like they will. Well, I mean, if they beat Seattle and the t- Cowboys lose to New England, they're tied again. I think Carson's is going to have to look in the mirror and just be like, I-, I need to find a couple areas in my game that I have to just go in the lab and improve on. Because I'm being paid like I'm a superstar. I've never, let's call it what it is, never done shit in this league. I had a year where I, quote-unquote, almost won the MVP. Then I got hurt. And the next year, I got hurt again. And Nick Foles lost to the playoffs. Like, there's a statue out in front of the stadium. And it's Nick Foles. So there's that elephant in the room. Like, I, I got I to gotta prove myself that I'm this big-time guy and can earn the money. Because right now, you have guys like me that just go, I'm telling you, Carson's really talented. Well, I can only say that for so many years until you either got to get the job done. And I'm not talking Super Bowls. I'm just talking about in the division, in a playoff game. Like, there is tangible pressure on him to do that. So, yeah, I'd be a little worried in the sense that part of being a great quarterback, and that's why I think Carson has that talent to be, a superstar great quarterback, is elevating everybody. That's what LeBron does. That's what Russell Wilson does. You know, that's what Steph Curry does. That's what Tom Brady does. That's what the elite superstar quarterbacks and NBA players do. They carry you to greatness. And they, and they deal with injuries. They deal with guys not playing well. They, they just, they don't make excuses. Because, listen, we all can make excuses. And I think Carson, however this season ends, he's got to do a little do a little soul searching. And, and when I say soul searching, just find an area in his game and just, it has to get better. He has to go in the lab and come back a better player next year. Because he's kind of just looked like the same guy the last couple of years. Which is still, I'd take him in a heartbeat. I, I'm a big Carson Wentz fan. But it's like, come on, man. It's time to improve. They're paying you like a like a champion. It's now you got to start playing like one. Please appreciate everyone listening. John Middlecoff, three and Out podcast. Tell all your friends. Enjoy the weekend. Godspeed. See you next week. Adios. <coughs>